I'd like for you to open your Bible to the book of Psalms, Psalms 137. Psalms 137. Now, my message this morning is, like many of them are, in the form of a question. Hopefully, it's somewhat of a challenge or an examination. Time for you to examine yourself, challenge yourself, or evaluate yourself. I've called it moping, hoping, or coping with a question mark at the end. I will admit, though, I had to go to the dictionary because I think of mop, M-O-P, if I'm mopping, am I M-O-P-I-N-G? Well, that's moping, but you wouldn't be moping and mopping, so you have to have an extra P to be mopping and not moping. And I know that hoping you could hop and you'd be hopping along or you could be hoping. I mean, it's, the English language is interesting to say the least. I never mastered it, but I know how to communicate, so that's okay. But I think all of us know we're all familiar with the words moping or to mope and hoping to hope and coping to cope. Now let's read Psalm 137 and begin there. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. Now, this is when the Israelites, Judah, the southern tribe, has gone into captivity. And Nebuchadnezzar has captured the land, devastated it, and carried off most of these Jewish people over into Iraq or Babylon. Verse 2, we hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. For there they that carried us away captive required of us a song, and they that wasted us required of us mirth or gleefulness, saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion. Because the Jewish people were noted for their exuberance in singing and in, in their good days and glorifying God and in gladness of heart, and you read all about this in the Psalms, how they worshiped God, they worshiped him all over. I mean, spirit, soul, and body. They just worshiped, and they were glad-hearted, and they danced. I saw a little bit of that when I was in Israel, when they got to singing that one song and going all around the room this way and that way and in circles, and it was just gladness of heart. They were noted for that, and so these captors said to them, sing us one of the songs of Zion. We want to see that because people are affected by others' gladness. And they said, verse 4, how shall we sing the Lord's song when so much is going wrong in our lives? Not mean, uh, excuse me, how shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? And the picture is a picture somewhat of gloom. The people that have lost their homeland for the moment, they've been devastated, they've been killed, they're property is ruined, they're robbed, and now they're chained and carried off like a bunch of animals over into another country. They were brutalized by these Babylonians. And as they went out, the Moabites cursed them and spoke evil of them. They were on the other side of the Jordan, and they mocked them and derided them as they left. And these people are just devastated. This all happened because of sin because of their disobedience towards God, or as he says, because you have forsaken my covenant. 
And so all of this happens when you turn away from God and you let your feelings rule your life or you want to go do what everybody else is doing and look like them and act like them. Well, this is the ultimate consequence of it. You get on the wrong side of God and then things happen and you can't do anything about it. These people were sitting down by the rivers of Babylon, it says, and there they wept. Then they realized that this is all their fault. And they said, sing us one of your songs. And they said, we can't sing our songs in this land. That's like asking me, I just got a pink slip and I got fired, and you're asking me to sing one of the songs of Zion because I'm saved or because I've been filled with the Spirit. You want me to sing just because of that? <laughs> I can't sing just because of that. Well, you should be able to. But there are people like that. Let's take these three categories of people. You might fit one of these this morning. I don't know how you wouldn't. But the first one are mopers. Mopers. Now, I identify a moper as one who is dejected. Or not only dejected, but brooding. Sad countenance. Or... If you got a good looking countenance about your face and you're a moper deep inside, you just don't have any drive. You just don't know what the purpose is of pressing in like we've been taught or like we're supposed to. I just don't see it. It's like being down in the dumps, having the blues. I'm sure in this room, everybody has been there and gone through this at least once in your life. All of us have. Life hasn't always been good to us. We complain about it not being fair. We have in days past. And we're aware that why do they get blessed and I go to church and I don't? And why is it that I go through this and they go through nothing and why do I and but nothing good happens for me? And we get dejected. Now you can't say you don't because you do. You don't have to live that way, but that opportunity to be dejected and be a moper comes your way, knocks on your door. Hello, I'm of the moping business. I like to enter myself into your life and make you mope like me. <laughs> Yo, you came with a good day, boy. I'm good and moping today. With church night tonight? Yes, but I'm, I'm, I can't sing songs tonight. Not this river I'm camping by. And you can't say it doesn't happen. We can't declare that this wouldn't happen to Christians because it happens to Christians way too much. Of course, circumstances are not good. Of course, trouble comes our way. And of course, difficulties confront us. Of course, of course, of course, of course. But you read all through the Bible where a lot of instances where things didn't go well for God's people at all, yet they rejoiced in the Lord. Didn't we see just recently here how Jehoshaphat was facing absolute, for sure, annihilation and destruction? And yet God told him, don't worry about it. Just go out there, look at your army, and look at the enemy when it comes. And they went out there, and the one thing they did, the only thing they knew to do, was to do what they do, and that's rejoice. And God, while they were rejoicing, caused the enemy, all of them, the entire army, to kill each other. They don't know why they were killing each other, but they did. Because God can confound and confuse and mentally terrorize his people whenever he wants to. Because all he has to do is just let the devil have his way with them. God's in control. And there's Jehoshaphat jumping up and down and praising God. 
There was Habakkuk, though the fig tree should not blossom, there be no fruit on the vine, the yield of the olives should fail, and the herd be cut off from the stall, yet, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. The enemy comes against you, the battle looks bleak, marriage isn't getting better, the kids are growing up and don't know what to do, money's tight, can't get a loan, blah, 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 blah. Yet will I go before the Lord and I will rejoice. I refuse to mope. But not everybody believes like that. Not everybody's like that. Not all Christians are. You can't afford what everybody else has. You want one. Everybody else has one. You can't have one because we're not supposed to borrow. Well, borrowing is a matter of your personal convictions. I know what the Bible says. You're not made to do anything or not do anything here. You make choices. We tell you what the right ones are, but what you do is up to you. And the consequences is yours also. People complain about a lot of things. They cry about a lot of things. You talk to people in the world, your neighbor across the street, or if you have worldly friends, they will tell you, look, it's just life. Nothing ever goes just the way you want it to go. There's no guarantee in life that you're going to be blessed or that good things will happen. That's why we have psychologists. That's why we have psychiatrists and drugs. And why we have mental professionals. That's why we have all of these things that are there to help you get through the day. And then that's why they're here, because we need it. I mean, the world's full of mental problems. And in the last days, it'll be astounding, the mental problems. How about fear will be everywhere on this earth. There won't be enough drugs to help people get around it. In fact, Revelation 18 says one of the things that will cause whoever Babylon is in Revelation 18 to come to a halt is drugs. Pharmakia. They called it witchcraft there, but it's drugs. People are running to everybody but God because they can't cope. And when they can't cope and terror comes into your life and confusion comes in, what a spirit confusion is. When nothing seems to make sense. Then you begin to mope because you have no solutions. You don't know what to do. Oh, we go to church. I don't care what church you go to, how many books you read, how many Bible translations you're aware of. Just going to church, reading the Bible, and being in a good meeting does not mean you believe it. You have heard it. But if the solution that God gives to all of us for about anything in our life, if it's not what we choose, the alternative is despair. What can we do that'll work apart from God? Nothing. Nothing else works. The world knows that better than anybody. And the world is setting up for all of this. They've got their health plans and they've got their... Perks here and their perks there because they know a devastation or difficulty is coming. That's the only solution I've got to the world. Only way we can deal with this is what the world offers us. The only hope for physical well-being is drugs. There's no other way to be well. The only way to get through your struggles is talk to somebody who is educated too far. And they analyze you. And they make you feel better because they use psychology and reason and logic, and they take words and affect your mind. It's called psychosomatic illness, and people are there. 
And they learn to lean on and depend on these people because that's the only solution the world has. Now, when Christians are told we don't go that way, but they're not convinced that God's word is enough, they mope too. They mope. Sometimes they cast an eye over on the world and they see people in the world with their smiles on their face because they're drugs or they see that commercial on the TV about all these gloomy people and the music is so slow and so and bless their heart. Now to people that are going through these things, it's very serious. There's nothing funny about this. I'm trying to show you the picture that you have because this is the way you sell products. You see this and then you relate to that. You relate to it. I hope you don't, but people do say, oh, boy, I've been here. I don't know how that feels. What do you do about this? Is there a solution for that? Because that's me on Monday morning. Well, yeah, there's a solution for it. And then they give you some kind of drug that destroys your liver, messes up your metabolism, can affect your immune system. But there's drugs to combat that, so you've got two drugs now. And because that's the only solution you have, most of these people become drug dependent. That's their solution. And to sit in church and hear there's another alternative than that is for those people to say, you just don't understand. You've never been here. You don't know what it's like. No, I don't. I don't want to go there, and I don't want to know what that's like. But I do want to know what God has offered us as a solution to all that stuff in the world. God forbid we be given a book full of marvelous promises that are nothing more than just ink on paper of the good book. And that's all it is. God help us that we might, by the aid and assistance of the Spirit of God, not only see these things, but these things may jump off the paper as something that God is willing to do for you. Because if we don't have that, chances are we're going to mope. Let me give you a couple of symptoms of mopers. Mopers are self-centered people. You get around a moper very long, and you realize the moper's conversation is about themselves, about their problems, about their situation or their struggles. And the moper begins to tell you, well, I and me and I'm, but I tried. And you're there, and the moper is beginning to just elevate problems and negativism. I'm not saying they don't exist. They do exist. All of this is real. They really have gone through a hard time. Their husband really did do them wrong. His wife really did do wrong. And in that particular sense, she is victimized by the effect of what he or she did. And, you know, I got to talk to somebody, they say. I don't care what church you go to and how much church you've been to. People would rather talk to somebody than to go to the Lord or read his Bible and reaffirm what they believe. I'd rather talk to somebody. I know the solution is supposed to be here, but but I remember years ago, during the days of the shepherding movement, when people were told everybody had to be submitted to somebody in the church, and at the top of the submitted thing was some self-appointed pastor, shepherd over the larger group. It was a, kind of a confusing thing. 
but the shepherd was in charge. And I remember this one fellow, his name was well known then. I don't know whatever happened to him now, but he was one night teaching on this place about how that if he's gone out from his little cell group where his little body is where he meets, if he goes out and he preaches, and it's been a long weekend or a long week struggling, he comes home and he said, man, I'm peopled out. He said, don't quote the Bible to me. I never forgot that statement. I thought, what else do you have beyond the word of God? What is it that God will honor beside his word that will bring you the apparent relief that you want? Because you're just tired and you're worried. Well, I've been there. I've been there. There's a temptation to talk about, I'll tell you what I've done. I've done this and I had to drive all night long and we did this and I went there. And then, you know, Monday night I went down here. Then Tuesday night I went over there and I drove home all that night. The next night I went to Indianapolis and drove home back at night and got on a plane Thursday morning and flew somewhere and then flew back Sunday night. Got in a car, drove Monday. I did that for a long time. But my talking about it is not a solution. What I'm doing is bringing myself to a place where I'm just a poor old victim. I need sympathy, not deliverance. I want people to hug on me. I want you to call me and talk and say, how are you doing? Are you all right? Oh. Now, I don't mean to make fun of you, but I am saying this. A lot of people want that more than to just rest in the Lord quietly in a closet between God and I. Who's going to know about your plight? Who's going to know about how you feel? Man, look what you've been going through. Look what you've done. Tell somebody. And you begin to be a self-centered person. It's kind of a share my pain with me thing sympathize with me. Write me a lot. Talk to me a lot. Keep me on your mind a lot as somebody who needs a daily phone call so I can just cope. But a lot of people, if they don't get delivered from that, you can't have a conversation with these people long without them telling you about their life, their job, their lack, their need. They're not trying to get something from you, money. They just want you to know that I'm really going through a hard time. Nobody else is, but I am. They want you to know all about that. There's so much negativism. I've talked to far too many people in the last 20 years when the conversation is all about what's wrong with everything. When we're through talking about what's wrong with everything, we're no better. We have no solution either. If you have solutions to life's problems, if you're aware, keenly aware that what's in this word is in there for you, then you're aware that I don't have to be negative in my thinking and my outlook. I may have to listen to something negative for a while in order to help somebody fix it. But negative ideas and attitudes fix just nothing. All the Democrats this and Republicans that and the government this and now they're that and then the oil down there and then the beaches are going to be tar balls and next thing you know they're going to know electricity is going up and now everything is my electric. <sighs> what did we fix? I just feel better about getting it off my chest. No, you don't feel better because it's still there. That thing's waiting on a new crowd to spring itself on again. What does God say? 
What does your Lord give you in place of all of that? Well, you know, I heard a preacher talk about that. This is the moper's dilemma. The moper has heard the word, if he's a church member. They've heard the word. They're aware of what the Bible says. They're just not convinced that it'll work. And if you preach the word to these people, if you put the truth before them like that, they feel condemned. And they tell you because they got to tell somebody, oh, I feel condemned with all that kind of preaching. I just don't like to go to that kind of church because... You know, first of all, I'm not sure that God will do what he said. All those lofty promises that the preacher preaches about, you show me one person that you know has ever been raised from the dead. Where has a new eyeball ever been put in somebody? Where has a limb ever been restored? Where has a wheelchair been empty? Where is a crutch thrown away? Come on, after all these years of preaching, tell me about one that it ever worked for. Isn't that a logical thing for the devil to say? See, God is a liar. Because we've never seen it. And if I haven't seen it, then it's not possible that it exists. I'm altogether right. I'm a righteous man. I'm a holy man. Anything good, I deserve it. And I haven't seen anything, so therefore, I question God. And a lot of people don't realize it, but that's what they're saying. My heart and my life is so clean before God that blessings belong to me. And if I never see blessings, then all of that stuff about being blessed may not be true because if anybody deserves blessings, I do. Well, you arrogant thing. Maybe you should go to some little hut over in China, in western China, where nobody would ever go and find you a little house full of people that have a miracle a day service. They have no problem with God moving in miraculous ways and giving revelations of his word when all they have is a little piece of paper, just a page of the Bible, and God gives revelation to that that just changes and astounds their life and their commitments. Oh, well, why don't we get that? Why indeed? Maybe there's something wrong with us. Maybe we don't realize it. Maybe we've gone into captivity, and maybe we're sitting beside the rivers of Babylon in 2010. Maybe we have hung our harps on the willows. Maybe we don't sing like we used to. Maybe we don't have the thrill of it all like we used to. Maybe we don't joy the way we used to. Maybe we just hung our harps up. It's gotten a little tougher in the last days like God said it would. No, I just don't know about all of this. Man, remember Jeremiah said, if you've run with a footman... And they have wearied thee. What will you do when the horses come? If when the Jordan hasn't overflowed and the lions are still over there, what are you going to do when the Jordan overflows and the floods come and the lions get out of the flood and run into the streets? What are you going to do then? If you can't handle this, what will you do then? You said the worst part's coming. I'm saying this world has never seen what's coming. It's only been told it's coming. And nobody believes it. But one day they will. Just like nobody believes that truly Jesus is Lord of all the earth. But one day, every single knee will bow and admit that. Yes, we go through troubles. Yes, there are problems. Yes, there are difficulties. Yes, you're by yourself. Yes, you got all the responsibility. And no, nobody seems to care. And yes, you're a little short every month. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, a thousand times. Do you have a solution? Then quit moping. 
quit moping. Quit acting like the Pharisees who when they fast, they go around like this. Why? Because they want attention. Ask me what's going on. Ask me what's going on. <laughs> they look that way because they want attention. And they, well, I'm fasting for God. And you just got your reward. And it's this. God bless you, my son. That's your reward, the compliments or the concern of people. You left God out of the whole equations because God is not what you want. It's people that you want. And the human psyche likes attention. Even though you're down in the dumps, it likes for people to come down there with you and sort of elevate the dumps up to a, a level. And then when it goes down, they'll come back and bring you up again. And you like the tension. You don't want to just commit your way, cast all your care over on the Lord. Nobody would know how you feel then. We get on the phone and talk about ourselves, Me, my problems. We sing the song, I'm just a poor, you know, and all of that. We want attention. God says you've got to crucify that spirit. Because life is not about us. It's not about you and me. It's all about him. We are followers of him. He is our everything. In him we live and in him we move and in him we have our being and without him we are nothing and have nothing. But the devil convinces us that we don't need him. We've got in this world everything we need. And consequently, things get quiet. Things get a little desperate. And we hear the word, we can listen to it twice a week and get on the phone four times a week and talk about negative, unsolvable things for which we have no solutions. And that's what a moper is. It wants a lot of attention. I'll tell you something else about a moper. Hebrews 5. You don't have to turn to it. You know it well. He said, for the time you should be able to teach other people, as long as you've been listening to the word, he said, yet you need somebody to come again and teach you all over again what you heard 10 years ago. You know how he describes that? He said, you have become dull of hearing. I want you to see this. Hebrews chapter 5. Verse 11, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, it's difficult to teach some people. Now, I'm not saying this about you. I'm saying what Paul said, okay? Paul said, I have a revelation about Melchizedek and what he represents and the type and the shadows and types and things in the Bible that God uses to bring out a revelatory truth in the New Testament, a revelation. You know what he said to people? Of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing you're what? Seeing you are dull of hearing. Who's dull of hearing? Why would anybody in a church like this being taught by an apostle who wrote half the New Testament, how could you listen to that and be dull of hearing? Could it happen today? Not with an apostle. I don't know about apostles today, but I do know about ministry today. Not all of it's gone sour. There's some of it left. There's some good left. Verse 12, for when the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one again teach you, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become as such as have need of milk 
and not strong meat. And yet that's what offends mopers. Mopers are offended by strong meat because it tells you to cast all your moping over on the Lord, that God is your solution, that his word is what he will watch over to perform, and that'll fix all your problems. But we don't want that. Oh, we've been talked out of that. It's been explained away. But people hear that. They don't respond to that. They get a little bit irritated, a little bit disturbed and bothered on the inside. Well, he just doesn't understand. I don't have to understand what somebody's going to to tell you what the solution for anything is. There's a whole lot of problems I've never had that I don't want. But I know what the answer to any of them and all of them are. All of them, any of them, without question. It's the Word of God. That's the only thing that exists in all of time and creation that God said he will do. There's only one thing that God has obligated himself to do, period, and that's to watch over his word to do it. And if that's not enough, if that's not the answer to the problem, you have none. And you're going to have to mope and not cope. Because if you become dull of hearing, I think it's because you're a moper. Job said he regarded his word more than his necessary food. The Job 23 or something like that. More than anything is the word of God. And yet there are people who have, I guess we've had so much of it, we've tasted of it so often and so much, and we've never seen difficulty come like it has in many parts of the world that we just kind of gotten used to it. No, oh, well. Secondly, how about hopers? Maybe you're a hoper this morning. You're not a moper. You're not moping now. You look good now. Maybe you're not a phone caller. I'm troubled. Listen to all of my problems. Listen to me when I say that. There are times you have a problem you don't know how to solve, and you do need to talk about it. You just don't need to broadcast it. Stay off the radio. Somebody can help you. It doesn't have to be the pastor. There's a lot of informed Christians in the church who give you a lot of wise counsel. But that is exactly what you need. It's wise counsel, not sympathy. You need wise counsel. Somebody that doesn't spare your feelings but tells you the truth. Didn't the Bible still say you speak the truth in a certain way? You speak the truth to people because you love people. There's only one thing that God will perform, and that's his word. You don't love people by telling them half-truth or being afraid of what they'll think if you tell them the truth because, well, this might offend them. That's what God uses to change us. Like a book I'm reading about the Jewish community. We have to come to the place where we speak the truth. We don't speak it to somebody else. We speak it to who needs to hear it. We don't hide the truth from anybody. Everything is open. We speak the truth. We don't gossip. We speak the truth. Oh, but they might be offended by it. Let them be offended. God takes truth to fix things. He doesn't take psychology and fix anything. He doesn't say, well, you know, the loving approach here is, now, you know, I'm sure you've got to be loving, but sometimes you have got to say the truth. That's the answer, sir or ma'am or young lady or young man. That's the answer. I know that may not be what you want to hear, but that's the only solution to the problem. The temporary fix 
It's like a aspirin for a headache. The aspirin affects the part that's causing the pain, but the headache still exists. It doesn't go away. It'll be back. And you'll need that pill again and again for the rest of your life. But God can deliver you from the source of the pain, the headache itself. He can deliver you from it. It's a better choice. What about hopers? Hopers are a cut above mopers. There's a cut. Just a cut above. Now, when you talk about hopers, we have to make a distinction here. There is a world's definition of hope, which is more like wishing. Then there's a biblical definition of hope, which is like anticipation or expectation. Would you briefly turn over to Hebrews 11 and verse 1? I'm sure you've found that one before. I know you have, and I know you understand that. But allow me to digress. Hebrews 11 and verse 1. Now, we're looking, first of all, at the word hope. For he said, faith is the substance. It's an interesting word, substance. A substance is something that gives reality to something. Is that okay? If I have a substance in my hand, there's something real there. Wouldn't you say that? Is there a clock in my hand? It's real, isn't it? What's verse 27 say? Moses did what in verse 27? Moses endured as seeing him who cannot be seen. How do you do that? Well, what he could not see had substance to it. You can't explain it. But there's something very real about when I saw that burning bush, I didn't see a form or a figure. I saw a burning bush, but I heard a voice. I didn't see a mouth moving when I heard that voice come out of that burning bush. Now, Moses had such an experience there that the impact of that moment guided this man all through the rest of his life. He came so close to God that God said to Moses, I speak to him as unto a friend, face to face. Or as the French say, tete-tete, face to face. Moses had a relationship with the Lord. God was real to him. He could not feel, his physical senses could not see, he couldn't touch, he couldn't in any way relate to God with how we relate to this world, my physical senses, smell, touch, taste, hear, see, so forth. He couldn't relate to God that way. But on the inside of Moses, God was as real as though he were standing there physically. And while he is the invisible God, because God is spirit, he endured because to him there was real substance to God. Now the Bible says that faith is the substance of things that have never happened. Does your Bible say hoped for? Hoped for. The word for hope in the Bible is elpis, E-L-P-I-S. Here in Hebrews 11.1, 1, things hoped for is E-L-P-I-Z-O, helpizo. Elpizo. And it means basically the same thing. Now, keep your finger there. Look at chapter 10 and verse 23. Here's a good suggestion. Let us hold fast the confession of our, does it say faith? Well, that's the only place in the Bible this word is translated 
other than hope. Because it's the word for hope, elpis. Now the word elpis, hope, means trust. You're trusting something to happen that has never happened yet. It's still in the future. The faith that we live by always has to do with something in the future. We know what's happened in the past. We don't need to believe what's happened. We know what's happened. We must believe what's going to happen. And the basis of what we're believing is what God reveals to us or shows us. And for those that have it, it's as real, even though we haven't seen it yet, even though we haven't heard it yet, go back to Hebrews 11, even though we haven't heard it or seen it, it's real to us. Hold fast to your confession of trust and expectation in God. He said he'll never leave you nor forsake you, didn't he? Do you have that revelation in your heart? If you do, it is as real to you, though you haven't seen it yet, it is as real to you as though it's already happened. Faith gives reality to what is in the future not yet happened. Faith is the very evidence to you of something you've never seen. The church struggles majorly. Is that a good word, majorly? Is that a word? The church struggles in a major way with what faith is. They know very little about it because to them, things hoped for is things you wish would happen. Well, that's not what the Bible says. Faith is not the substance of things you wish. Faith is the substance of things you expect, anticipate for the 9,000th time. Remember you put the money in the pop machine? Don't you expect to get something out of there when you press the buttons? You do. You don't hope it works. You aren't wishing you'd have a pop. Wish I had a pop. Read the instructions. What does it say? Put 50 cents in here. Well, I wish I had. You got 50 cents? Well, I do, but I put it in the machine. Oh, what if it doesn't work? Oh, I wish it would work. No, you put it in the machine, you hit your button, and you enjoy what you bought. Why not the same way in a very simple illustration? The simplicity that is in Christ is absolutely amazing. If he said he will do it, trust him to do it. He can't lie. He won't change his mind. I know the heady preacher told you, well, we know that God could, and we know that God has, but you know God may not want to do it for you. I heard a preacher this morning on the radio talking about how the Lord blessed the family with a deadly disease. I turned it. I said, I don't know what you're going to say about it, but I want to hear no more of this stuff. I'm done with that. God doesn't need cancer to work his will. God is bigger than having to do that. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. You want to live a long life? There's ways you do this. But can you believe that God will sustain you through the day and the years to come? That he can make you a proper adult, a proper parent? That he can anoint you whenever it needs to be done? That he can bless you when you go out and bless you when you come in? That everything you put your hand to will prosper? Can you believe that? You have a basis for it. It's not wishful thinking, as the church says. It's facts, biblical facts. 
8,000 promises. No weapon formed against you will prosper. Do you believe that? You can because that's what God watches over to perform. But if it's not real to us, then it won't work. Whatever you bind on this earth, God will see to it that it's bound from heaven. Whatever you allow on this earth, because I'm just not sure, and my mind is so in many different directions, I'm so worried I can't get anything spiritual done. Well, then you'll just have to suffer the consequences of such a trivial life. God isn't mean, God isn't hard. I'm not mean and I'm not hard. I'm telling you a simple truth. That hope in the Bible is what God sets before you that belongs to you and you set your sights on it and it becomes real to you. You haven't experienced it yet. You don't feel it yet. You don't see it yet. You don't smell it yet. You don't hear it yet. You haven't touched it yet. But it's as real as though I had. It's as real as though I had. Faith apprehends as a real fact, what is not yet revealed to the senses. And it rests upon that fact. It acts upon that fact. It does exactly what that fact says in the face of all that seems to contradict it. We are laughed at by people that I have known and know, scorned and ridiculed and mocked because of faith. We believe that God heals. That's the number one thing that people scorn us about. We believe that God heals. You don't go to doctors? And how offended would they be if you said, you mean you go to doctors? You don't trust God? Oh, I do trust. Do you? So do I. So quit talking about me. Oh, I believe God heals through the drugs. Do you? Do you? Let me see where that is. Who does God share his glory with? Pfizer, if that's the way he's doing it today, most people can't afford what he's doing. Isn't it simple that God sets all of that stuff aside? Men thinking themselves to be wise have become fools. And God picks people whom the world calls fools. That's you. And he declares a simple truth. I am the Lord that heals you. Here's the way it works. I'm going to set before you all these promises. And there's nothing too hard for me. I don't care who you are, what color you are, what world you come from, what sex you are. I don't care who you are. These are your promises. If you're mine, this is what I've given unto you. All of these are yours. Would you like to have me to bless you with these things? Then live like it's going to happen. Get out of bed. Quit talking about your problems. Wash your face and clean yourself up and go out and, and act like I am so above and I'm blessed and so much. And even though you're crying on the inside, outside, you're saying, praise the Lord. I remember a man came in my office not too long ago, and I thought this man was going to give me something. I did, because he was talking about this and needs, and I guess he was able to do a lot of things. He just, I just wanted to come by and talk to you for a minute and share a few things with you. And I, so I said, you know, I'm doing so good. I've got all the cars I need, got all the clothes I need, got all the room I need. I said, I've been blessed so much. I just want to praise God. There's nothing I need because I didn't want him to give me anything. Because somebody's going to give me something, they're going to have to do it without me trying to get it because I don't need to go to man for anything. You understand that? 
When we learn this, we get to the place where our source is God because we have a fixation upon his promise. I got a fixation. My kids can be saved. Can you see them saved? Moses could see. Didn't Moses see? He didn't see with natural eyes. What did he see? The eyes of his heart. Can you see your children? (laughs) Can you see that? Can you see yourself writing your last IOU? Can you see yourself without your eating disorder or your drug disorder or your gloomy, doomy nightmare disorder? Can you see yourself delivered? God's promised. There's a way. It's in the Word. Can you see it? What you can see is what your hope is based on. That, my friends, is what you believe. You can talk about faith all you want to. Talk about your good confessions all you want to. But it comes down to the fact, how do you live in light of it? Do you act like it's true? Are you trying to manipulate people? Or are you just going to act like God who heard your prayer has already shot his arrow of deliverance? He said his word should not return void. I went, Lord, shot one up there. He grabbed it and he said, take care of this for me. He shot his arrow, delivers back. Well, how long does it take to get here? I don't know. But you can be sure somewhere between here and there, something's going, and that's not a wick on a dynamite. That's the sound of an arrow going through the air, bringing deliverance to you. In the meantime, you act like it's already happened. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. By stripes of I'm healed. You act like it's true. He didn't say you'd look better. He didn't say you'd sound better. He didn't say things just suddenly get better. He said, act like what you believe is true. Because most people do. They believe there's no solution. So they mope. They've heard of a solution. So they hope. But they don't cope. Hopers. Oh, I just wish this thing would work. I just wish it would work. Oh, I want that so bad. God knows I want it so badly. Oh, God, make it work for me. You see, a hoper is not really a believer. I know how that sounds. But if you're hoping this works, if you're hoping that this will come to pass, you're not really believing. Let me give you a symptom of a hoper. A moper is self-centered, dull of hearing. But what about a hoper? Well, a hoper is works religion. Because a hoper has heard about all the things that God does. You read some of the conditions, if thou shalt, if thou shalt, if thou shalt, like Deuteronomy 28. If you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord and do that which is right in his sight and walk in all of his ways and keep his commandments and turn out the left. When you do all, and you say, okay, I'm going to do that. Now, the reason a hoper does that is so that, well, if I do this and God will do this, if I give a dollar, he'll give me back a hundred. Right. So he begins to give, he begins to do, he begins to go, he begins to help. He even tries fasting for, you know, from noon till three. He goes on a fast from 7.30 till nine o'clock in the morning. He fasts while he's asleep. And he checks his symptoms ever. Lord is still there. Lord is still there. Come on, Lord. Okay. I'm going to try singing this morning. 
I'm going to get my hands up too. Come on, get up. That's as high as they'll go. I'm going to dance. That's all I can do right now. But maybe if I do this, maybe, maybe I'll get healed. Maybe my wife will come back. Maybe my son or daughter gets saved. Maybe I'll get that job. Maybe the, the loan will come through. Maybe I'll get a scholarship. Maybe, 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 maybe. I hope, man, I hope, I hope all this works. And you know, it doesn't work like that. You're putting a lot of effort into it, but you're like a rocking chair. You're moving a whole lot, doing a lot, but you're going nowhere. Because that isn't what God does. Hoping doesn't get the ear of God. You can't walk around with your fingers crossed. I want to confess this morning that God's going to deliver me from all these particular things. And then in the back, you got this behind your back. You're hoping it works. Isn't that what they cross their fingers for? That's got to be occult. That's somehow invoking a God or a deity to see that this is my sign of hope. People do it all the time. Well, they say, knock on wood, because they're hopers. They're works-related people. Build another building. Organize this. Go there. Try this. We don't have to major on the teaching part. Let's just major on business, because God wants results. And so we build it bigger, better, and greater, and the people still aren't disciples. You still have to appease them all the time and vote them into offices so they won't quit. Because they're hopers. The word of God still isn't a solution to these people because they're not convinced it'll work. The preacher doesn't practice it. He doesn't talk about where it works. We borrowed how many million dollars to build this building? (laughs) Man, we didn't get any change if we did, but... So many people live the same way that there's very little to trust God for when all these substitutes are in the church. And when you don't do it the way the world does. (laughs) I was in a bank the other day trying to correct a problem, and I had to tell them how we run things here. And I finally had three people I had to talk to. (laughs) Oh, I did. You mean to tell me? Well, you could run off with all the money. I think one of them said that. I said, I could. <laughs> I did. I, felt, I said, I sure could. <laughs> I could. I could run off with every bit of Just cash the whatever's in there and just leave town. It lasted about three weeks. <laughs> I could, yeah, I could do that. I told him, I said, I could take advantage of all the people there if I wanted to. I could. I'm unaccountable to them. How do they know what I'm doing? Spending money, what? How do they know? I didn't go into all of that because I'm thinking all the time, or ask questions, I'm thinking, this is none you. <laughs> we used to tell our kids, none of your business. But I knew if I said that, it would generate more problems than I thought. <laughs> I'll just say it the best I can. I can. People don't understand us. Didn't he say in Isaiah 55 that your ways are not my ways? And yet, if our ways aren't the world's ways, what do they think about us? What's wrong with you all? And we look at them and we say to that huge mass out there, what's wrong with you all? Like we saw Mount Carmel one time in Israel where Haifa is, and there's a big, long ridge like mountain. 
One day, Elijah stood on that mountain. He said, if God be God, worship him, follow him. And all these Baal worshipers got on there and they tried to make it work and it wouldn't. And then he got up there and he said, Lord God, you are Lord. He prayed and fire came down from heaven, burnt the altar, sucked all the water up out of the great drought going on. Even the stones were burnt up. One man stood against the whole caboodle. I wonder if it's going to be like that in this age. When the whole organized Christian church world in America looks at little whodunits like us and says, what is wrong with you all? And we look back at them like little David. And we say, what is wrong with you all? Don't y'all have the same Bible? Not anymore, but I mean, is it pretty close? Isn't God still God? Does he not say he watches over his word? All of y'all out there, doesn't he say that? Well, why don't you trust him then? And they're greatly offended because they're all hopers. All of them are hopers. They hope doing right things works. They say, well, I hope I go to heaven. Well, I hope when it's over. I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope. That's not the way to end your life, hoping these things will work. In religion, the Pentecostals, pray longer, pray louder, cry aloud. By their much praying, they shall be heard because they're hoping this works. I'm hoping if we get together and pray, it'll work. I'm hoping if we pray, well, we've only prayed five minutes. Oh, that's not long enough. We've got to pray for an hour to get this done. Do you really believe that's the way God does it? And how foolish you must sound and how unbelieving you must sound to say that. Or somebody says, will you agree with me in prayer about this? And I say, have you already prayed? Yes. Have you believed? Yes. Well, then why do you need me? Doesn't that sound bad? But isn't it true that if you believe you have received, then you have it? And if you have it, then you don't need me. You can share your testimony with me. I prayed about this. God heard my prayer, and I'm expecting this to happen. Well, I might pray with you too. I might get home and say, Lord, I agree with that person. But there's things in my life, I know in Bonnie's life, I know things in our life that we're believing for. I don't share it with anybody else because God has heard my prayer. Didn't he say if he hears you, you have it? Why don't we believe that? I don't hope that works. That does work. Finally, copers. Copers. What about copers? Not coppers, but copers. What is a coper? Well, a coper, by definition, is to deal in anything with an attempt to overcome problems and difficulties. An attempt to overcome problems and difficulties. It's fighting the good fight. Now, here's the deal about copers. If you're not coping with your situation, as I've alluded to a few times already, if you're not trying to deal with your circumstances, your situation, and all of us have our own unique ones, then you cannot overcome. You cannot be an overcomer without coping. And you will never cope until you are convinced that God has the answer and the solution to all of your problems. 
you have to believe that God himself has said that he will do it. You cope with your problem. How do you cope? How do you cope? You cope by faith. Faith in what? Faith in the word. That book you're holding. That's the only document, Bible, book, accumulation of words. That's the only book that's ever been given in this world that came from God and the only book that God will honor. He's obligated himself to no other book, no other feeling, no other passion, just the words of that book. Say, that's cold. Not really. I delight in thy word. Why would a psalmist write that? I delight in thy word. Why would God respond to that and say, delight yourself in him or his words, and he will give you the desires of your heart? Well, the desire of your heart is a solution to your problem, isn't it? Money? Is there a money problem that God can't fix? Is there any kind of credit card, numb, skullish type mistake that God cannot fix? Thank you, Brother Hamilton. You're welcome. You're welcome. Is there any mistake anybody in this room has ever made that God cannot fix it or turn it around? Is there anybody in this room has never made a mistake? There's nothing that God cannot do. The one single thing that God has said that he will watch over to perform is his word. And his word in coping is called a weapon. A weapon. Remember, Paul wrote this, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are mighty through God. What do we mean by through God? Well, it comes from God. It goes to God and it comes from God. He watches over his word to perform it. It's Isaiah 55, 11. He says, the word that I have sent shall not return void. It will prosper in the thing whereto I sent it, and it will accomplish what I please. Does he need to say more to us? Is there a healing that's too hard for God to take care of? Did he send his word to heal? Do you hope it works? Do you wish it works? Or does it work? There's only one way then that causes that to happen. That's faith. To believe that what he has said, he will do it. I'm counting on God. I'm trusting in the Lord. I think it still says that in the Bible. We trust in the Lord with all of our heart and we lean not to our own understanding, but in all of our ways we acknowledge him and God said he will direct our steps. Where's he going to lead us if he directs our steps? Where are we going? We're going to follow him. And the way we follow him is by what he has said in his word. He said his word is what saves us. You read that in James chapter 1. A word. A word that is clean and pure. He said to us as Christians, desire the sincere milk of the word that you can grow thereby. The unadulterated word. Nothing mixed with it. No opinions in it. Just read the word. Take it as what it says. That's what he does. What was our text last week? This is the victory that overcomes the world, even what? Our faith. Where do we get faith? Well, you have to join this club. No. Where do we get faith? Faith comes how? 
by hearing. Who's listening? Listen to me. Anybody can hear. A heathen could walk in this room and sit here and endure this whole service. They could sit here and hear what I've said or listen to what I've said, but they didn't hear what God said. God's looking for that ear that's clean before him. He doesn't care about how bad your circumstances are. Nothing is hidden from God. He doesn't care about that condition in your body or how unsolvable your marriage or your job or your business or money or the circumstances. God doesn't even consider that when he makes his promises. All he considers is that you believe it. You believe it, and he performs it. The obstacles are nothing to God. They're like grasshoppers to a giant. Nothing is too difficult for God. That's what the Word says. His Word is His power. Go to Psalm 138. Psalm 138 and verse 2. What does it say? Does it say He will magnify His Word above all His name? Woo! How powerful is His name? The name of the Lord is a high, high tower. The righteous run into his name and are safe. Well, what about his word? That's safe, safe. Safe, 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 safe. If he honors his word above his name, because thou hast known my great name, I will do this, 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 and this. He said, well, he honors his word above his name. He's magnified it above his name. Every thing in creation while I'm standing here talking is coming to pass according to his word. Every word shall be fulfilled, every jot, every tittle. The little marks above your name, all those little things, it'll come to pass just like he said. All of created order, all of man's so-called free will to do as he chooses, everything is going to happen and come to the head just as God planned it. And nobody's going to get out of bounds. He's in charge of everything like that. He said that in his word. And think of it in the simplicity of all this. He lays a simple word before you. There's not very many big difficult words in the Bible. I don't think the word aggravated, which most people can't spell anyway, I don't even know if that's in the Bible. But a lot of he, I, will, can, and do, and be. And he lays that kind of word before you on your laps this morning. And he stands here ready and willing to do for you what he has said, if you will just believe it, not hope it, but believe it. And don't walk out of here saying, why doesn't God do something? He already has. He already has. He already has. He raised Jesus from the dead. All of these promises that God shows us, doesn't it inspire you to fight? Wouldn't you imagine if God prepared a banquet table before you? Turn to Romans 8. If he prepared a big banquet table before you and all of these things were laying out there before you and all these wonderful promises, how would you feel if the devil came up and he says, well, no, you can't have any of that. These things were written for sermons. 
This is what God gave preachers to preach sermons with. But you can't be sure that any of it will happen. Now, who do you know what ever happened for? Okay, so obviously it doesn't work. Y'all just do the best you can because none of this works. Except for a few of y'all. Or a bunch of y'all. Or all of y'all. All of y'all. Shalom, y'all. You know, those aren't just words. There's a stirring in my heart, they say. God is speaking to me about something. I'm not going to let the devil rob me of what God has given to me. If he put all of my diseases and all of my pains, if Jesus bore all of that, then the devil has no right to put on me what Jesus has borne away. I am healed. I may not look healed. I may not sound healed. I may not even be able to act healed, but I am. It's not a figment of my imagination. It is not a psycho thing. I am healed because in my heart, I see me healed. I see me well. I see me happy. I see me contented. I see my needs met. I see a believing church full of disciples. I mean, believers, followers. That if you just step aside and left the country and flew to the moon, they still go on because they're disciples. God doing a work because we have believed and are believing his word. Listen to this in Romans chapter 8 and verse 35. See if this would encourage you to fight. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Oh, God doesn't love me. Hot, shut up. Listen to this. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, or famine, or poverty and nakedness, or peril, or sword? You going to give up over that? As it is written, for thy sake we're killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. In all these things we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, there isn't anything else nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Is that real? Come on. Is it true? Is it ours? Or was it just Paul the apostle? Can it not be ours also? Yes, it can be ours. And yes, it should be ours. And yes, it does belong to us. Paul wrote, thanks be to God in 1 Corinthians 15, 57. He said, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, if I have the victory, I have no right to mope. In fact, for me to mope is a sin. And whoever else knows better. I have no license to hope. There's no benefit in hoping unless it's biblical hope. But the world's form of hope and crossing the fingers and wishing something would happen there's no good in that. I want to cope. Yes, I struggle. Yes, there's difficulties. And yes, sometimes I think, oh, God. Oh, God. I've been here many times. But God help me if I quit coping. God help you if you don't cope. You deal with it. You set your problem before you like an adversary. And you pronounce a judgment against it. Thus saith the Lord. What did you say, Lord? Okay. Thus saith the Lord. And you begin to deal with your problem. And you take your faith. And 
you light that wick, and you step that problem right there against that word. Is this what the word is? I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for the gospel is the... Oh, okay. Good. I just want to make sure we had a basis for doing this. So I lay that thing right there against my problem, against that difficulty, job, money, family, tomorrow, feelings, pain. I'm counting on this to work in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord God. The word dunamis, one of the Greek words for power, one of the words, dunamis, means the ability to remove obstacles. Is there a mountain before you that's keeping you from going somewhere? Boom! Praise God. I want to give a testimony tonight. The mountains are gone. How'd they go? I'm just tough. No, you're not tough. Thanks be to God who causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 2.14. Causes us to triumph. Sends the Holy Spirit, verse 12 of 2 Corinthians 1, sends the Holy Spirit to show us those things which are freely given to us by the Lord. God is not trying to do anything. God is showing us what he will do for us. After 29 years, he hadn't stopped showing us. Do you realize God has never given up on us? You know he's never stopped sending his word to us? He hadn't stopped declaring even the same thing every week to us. He hadn't stopped. Is he after something? Yes, he's after your affections and your hearts. And when he gets that, this word becomes Lord and master in your life. And the devil, well, you're going to see his backside because he's going to run. He's going to run. Now in closing, I want you to turn to Isaiah 61, Jesus' sermon. Isaiah 61. You'll have to love this. We started with Psalm 137 about the harp being in the midst of the willows. How can we sing the Lord's song when everything's going wrong? Let me tell you something. The first sermon that Jesus preached is this morning, as I'm standing here, what Jesus is still doing. This is it. Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. Pray that you are. He had sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Have you been? Are you moping because of a broken heart? Jesus is sent to bind it up. To proclaim liberty to the captives. Have you been captive and bound? Jesus is your answer. And the opening of the prison doors to them that are bound. You need deliverance? Let me tell you something. A lot of things you did in your past can linger in your life and menace you and trouble you. And some sins of a greater nature than other sins so that the demon is harder to get rid of in some. And when the devil brings a spirit of confusion into your life where you just have trouble figuring things out, you need to fight. God knows how big you are. He knows how much resistance you have. If you've only got that much, that's all the bigger the devil is. God is faithful who will not allow you to what? 
You fight, you cope. And verse two, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn. Verse three, to appoint unto them that mourn in Shabbat, I mean to, to mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for moping. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness on hopers that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. Why, 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 why? And what is the conclusion? That the Lord may be what? Glorified. How is he glorified? I'm going to close with this. God is glorified when these things begin to happen in your life. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, minister to us, O Lord, as those needy people poor in spirit, Lord, we never have more than we need of that. We need a fresh supply of help every day, Lord. But we pray for a revelation to our heart this morning of the reality of what has been said today, that it might capture our wills and our hearts and find its way into that which causes us to praise that we might rejoice, not because things look better, but because we believe. The rejoicing of faith. In Jesus' name, amen.